the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. And our souls and our spirits do too because our physical health affects our mental health and our spiritual health. These things are all connected. And that's why Jesus says in Mark 2, 27 to 28, dealing with the Pharisees who completely missed the point of the Sabbath, he says this, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even Lord over the Sabbath. God wants us to experience relief from the burdens of this life. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. Every dragon will fall. The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Oh, nothing is impossible Hello and welcome to today's Grace to Live radio broadcast with Pastor Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program, and we're so glad to have you back. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles or on your devices if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we're continuing with Pastor Keith's series, 10 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos, from the Old Testament book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Gives us hope. We are to rest from our earthly labors. We are to rest from sin eternally one day. It's a picture of here and now and then and there, if we remember the Sabbath, which brings us to action number two. I've already kind of hinted at it or given it away, and that is this. We remember to remember, and action number two is remember to rest. Remember to rest. Where do you see that? We're going to, we're going to, it's in the same passage. We're going to work this passage over pretty good. Exodus 28 through 11. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Verse 11, for in six days God made the heaven and the earth and all the, and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. He set it apart. Sabbath means rest. And wherever you see that concept is the concept of rest. And in ancient Near Eastern culture, slaves never rested. That's why at the Passover, they recline at the table. You always read that Jesus is reclining at the table. It's a picture of the coming rest. We are free in Christ, just like Israel was free from Egypt. Again, uh, 
uh, Deuteronomy 14, uh, 5, 14 again. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner, the visitor, the stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. It is a time to stop, to disconnect with all this junk with all the messes and stresses in our lives, and to connect with God, to worship God. It is an act of worship. Our rest depicts our trust in Christ. And you know what? Rest is essential to preventive maintenance. When you think of all the complex technology that we have birthed here in Silicon Valley, when you think about just machines, manufacturing, production, you think about artificial intelligence and how it can do all these things, and then think of the complexity and majesty and magnificence of the human body, which in some way bears the image of God. Right now, you're looking at me, you're seeing me, you're evaluating me, you're listening to what I say, you're synthesizing it with your life and your heart. Maybe you can smell the cologne or something else of the person next to you. Hopefully it's the cologne. You're doing all this and processing all of this simultaneously and instantly. You are a high-capacity high production creation of God. And you know what? Just like you have to take down a factory and do preventive maintenance, this rest, this Sabbath, is your preventive maintenance. Through my daughter's accident and injury, her brain injury, one of the things I've learned is that the brain only heals when you're asleep. The brain only recovers when you're asleep. And if you don't slow down, be still, and know that He is God, there is no rest in your soul. There's no rest in your heart. And you were made for rest, and rest was made for you. We work too much. We go hither and yon. We are on overload, and we need to rest according to our manufacturer's specification, according to our design. And so there is this rest principle that is given to us to rest, to refocus, to collect our thoughts, to recalibrate our life in this broken world, and to realign our relationship with God as we rest from our labors, which brings us to Fitbit. Now, I'm sorry to the Apple guys over here, but I was reading an article on Fitbit. You know, I know we have Apple watches with the health app on it, but I, I was reading and preparing for this sermon, and Fitbit, I read an article, they give you five reasons that you need rest, that everybody needs rest, even high-performance athletes. Number one, rest prevents injury. God knows that. Your muscles need rest. You build up lactic acid and all kinds of toxins. You need rest in order for your body to restore. Your performance won't dip. How many times do you hear people in the workplace, and when I was in the, in the, in the uh, business realm, people would say, well, I, no, I can't take any time off. I'll, no, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You must. You must. Your performance won't dip. Your department won't fail. And if you're an athlete, you can sit still for two weeks before you start losing muscle tone. You need rest. Your immune system can overheat without rest. God knows that. And you lose your mental edge without rest. And that's the problem, you see. Often as broken, fallen human beings in a broken, fallen world, we lose focus and perspective because we don't rest. We don't step back and reflect on God. We don't rest our minds or our bodies. And we begin to confuse activity with results and doing stuff with ministry. And we get our wires crossed and our brains short circuit. If we were a car, because I know some of you like cars, we, you know, with all those RPMs, sooner or later we're going to throw a rod. And that's bad for the engine. Sabbath rest is what God has given us. And if we don't rest, we will forget God. 
because pretty soon there'll be other priorities before him and we can't see him and we'll begin to accept other substitutes, the approval of man, the approval of our supervisors, material wealth or comfort as God. And we don't want to do that. I'm reminded also that the Sabbath rest depicts the coming rest that we're going to have in eternity with Jesus Christ. And I just want to share a verse with you along those lines, and that's Matthew eleven twenty-eight. What does Jesus say about us, him, and rest? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest is essential to the recovery from the labors and burdens of life. And without it, we crash and burn spiritually. We can't think straight. We can't rightly evaluate good decisions from bad decisions. And our minds and our bodies crash and burn. And our souls and our spirits do too because our physical health affects our mental health and our spiritual health. These things are all connected. And that's why Jesus says in Mark 2, 27 to 28, dealing with the Pharisees who completely missed the point of the Sabbath, he says this, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even Lord over the Sabbath. God wants us to experience relief from the burdens of this life. Jesus, he is the fuel we need. He is the rest that God provides. His design anticipated our needs. Then, for the people of Israel, and Israel is separate from the church, right? The church doesn't replace Israel. Those are two different entities. And our needs as Christians today. And this is something like primitive maintenance or downtime in a factory. Think of it as spiritual REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, the deepest sleep you have when your mind and your body recharge. If you don't get enough sleep, if you were to go five days without sleep, you begin to hallucinate and become irrational and psychotic. If you don't get enough sleep even before five days, you start showing signs of wear and tear. We need this rest. Otherwise, we will live crazy, confused, chaotic lives. Making time for God is an antidote for chaos, and we can accept no substitutes. So we have this command, this rule for life, this antidote for chaos, and we do well to follow it. I want you to think of it this way. Rest is a gift from God. He decreed it for our good, not to cramp our style. Physical rest reminds us that we are not God, and when we close our eyes to sleep, we leave him in charge of the world, which is a good thing. Physical rest requires us, therefore, to relinquish control and to lay our problems at the foot of the cross with the only one who can really do anything anyway. We lie down and we lay down our problems. And so we need to make time for God. We need to rest. We need to rest from our earthly labors and make time for God and focus in on him and receive his blessing. Which brings us to our third action. So we remember to remember. We remember to rest. And all this points to remembering to reflect. Because we just don't sit still to watch our toes grow. We don't do that. We don't just kick back and turn off our brains. We remember to reflect. Rest is bigger than us. It's more than just about us. It's about making time for God. We remember to reflect. We go back to Exodus 20, verse 8 and verse 11. Remember, remember, Zahar, the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Why? Verse 11, because in six days, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And if he can do all that, He can do anything in your life, no matter what your situation or circumstance or heartbreak is. We have to remember and reflect on God and our connection to him and his connection to us so that we do not lose perspective, so that we do not lose hope. 
And that's why making time to do this is truly, truly an antidote for chaos. And you see, this is a practice you have to cultivate starting now. If you haven't started, start now. It's never too late. But remember this, and I've said this before, you can cram for a quiz, you can cram for an exam, you can cram for a board, a board test, a board certification, but you can't cram for life. And no one learned this the harder way than Solomon because he lost perspective. And the book of Ecclesiastes is his spiritual journey through chaos and all the things he did and all the stresses he created in his life and the lives of others. He built things to try to bring himself glory. He tested his body with pleasure. He built, he sought higher education beyond what he really needed. He focused on everything but on God. And at the end of his life, after he'd made a mess of everything, what does he say? What does he say in Ecclesiastes 12? He says this, he says, when all is said and done, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the responsibility of every man, of every human being. But before he said this, a few verses before, in Ecclesiastes 12.1, he says this, Remember, reflect, remember also your creator in the days of your youth, while you can. Formulate the habit now. Practice this now. Acquire this discipline, this skill now. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, before stuff happens, and before the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Do it now. Make time for God. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you, James says. Seek him while he may be found. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And I go back to Deuteronomy 5.15. You shall remember, you shall reflect upon the fact that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord, your God, brought you out from there with a mighty, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. That's what he did for Israel. For you and I, he sent his son and he rescued us from sin, death, and hell. And he offers us a Sabbath rest in the next life. But he calls for us to make him to make time for him in this life. You shall remember that you were a slave and God by a mighty hand with an outstretched arm reached out to you and brought you out of the mess that you were in. You know, when I look at Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11, I have to remember and I want to encourage you to remember and we're going to remember now the context of all this, right? Egyptian slavery, rescue, the giving of the law, and in Exodus 20, verses 2 through 5 and 7 and 8, we see this. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself to carve image. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not misuse his name. And then he says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. You see, all these things are woven together and interdependent and interconnected. And that's why James says to disregard one is to disregard them all. These 10 rules for life are an antidote, the antidote for chaos. And they all must be present and active in your life. Now, some of you are wondering, well, when's he going to get to, is it Saturday or Sunday? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave Saturday worship to the cults, okay? But in Romans 14 and in Colossians 2 and in Exodus 31, we understand that we as a church are not bound to a Saturday Sabbath. And that's for you to explore, but it's there. You can't miss it. But what I do know is the principle is we're not to forget God. We are to make time for God. 
because this is the Lord our God who brought us out of slavery and who gave us these 10 rules, this quick start guide, these 10 rules for life, these 10 protections, these antidotes for chaos that work individually and collectively to order our lives, our relationships, our sanity, and as they point us to God and his grace, our eternities. Remember to reflect. Don't allow yourself to be too busy. It's a luxury that you can't afford and the people you love can't afford and the people that you, who depend on you can't afford. Speaking of which, we come to our fourth action. Action number four, remember to retell. Remember to retell. Well, where do we see that in our passage? I mean, we've been, as they say, churning a lot of cheese here in this passage here. Where is that? It's right there in front of us. One of the problems we have in our busy lives is we don't reflect enough. I want you to watch this manifest itself, okay? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Where is the retail there? It's with those people. Our actions reveal our convictions. Our actions are demonstrations of our faith. And when we make time for God, we don't blend in with the culture. We stand out and people notice. Our children notice. Our coworkers notice. Our employers and employees notice. Our house guests notice. People notice. Our neighbors notice. And by honoring God in that way, by having no other gods, no other priorities before him, by accepting no substitutes, allowing no idols to come in and squeeze him out, by not misusing his name, by not taking his name in vain, and by making time for him in a disciplined, determined, deliberate, thoughtful, and life-changing way, people notice. And sooner or later, someone's going to ask you to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. And by God's grace and the empowerment and enablement of his spirit, you'll give it with meekness, gentleness, and respect and clarity as you retell what God has done for you, how he took you out of the messes and stresses you were mired in and made you his child, how he rescued you as he rescued Egypt from the house of slavery, he rescued you from slavery to sin, death, and hell. And your son or your daughter or your employee or your employer or the house guest or your neighbor is going to ask you about this. People around you, people you come in contact with, people in your neighborhood, it happens. You know, we've been flipping back and forth between Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, right? The giving of the law and the re-giving of the law. I want to move you over to Deuteronomy 6, and you'll see how this works out within the home. Deuteronomy 6, uh, 6, 4 through uh, 7, and verses 20 through 21. This is the great Shema. This is the hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. This is Israel's monotheistic, we worship one God statement of faith. And it says this, watch this play out. Hear, O Israel, this is after the re-giving of the law. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That's making time for God. And with these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Make time for God. Thoughtful, deliberate, determined. Verse 20. And when your son asks you in the time to come, what is the meaning of this? What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you will say to your son or your daughter, 
We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. Then you will say to your sons or daughters, I was dead in my sins and trespasses, and I was made alive together with Christ. I was blind, and now I see. I was lost, and I have been found. That's how that works. You call attention to God by living in a way that displays what you really believe. And in so doing, you make time for God. You retell the story of his creation, of his power, of his salvation, redemption, and resurrection power. And you get the opportunity because we make God the priority, because we accept no substitutes, because we engage in thoughtful, intentional, spiritual disciplines. We don't misuse his name. We make time for him. And in so doing, we think straight, we live straight in a crooked and bent generation. Remember to retell. Remember to retell. So let's review. Remember to remember, remember to rest, remember to reflect, remember to retell. And in so doing, you will make time for God and people will notice. So what do you do with this? Well, I would say take these actions and make them your own day in and day out. And certainly one day a week, I would take time for God. Make time for God is an additional means of application. You might want to ask and answer these questions in your own heart and mind. Do I really make time for God deliberately or is it accidental? Yes or no. Do I remember him faithfully? Yes or no. Do I take time to stop all the stuff and connect and reconnect and revitalize my relationship with him? Yes or no. Does my life bear witness to my conviction that I must make time for God? Yes or no. Your telling and retelling, your rest and reflection, your remembering to remember will enable you and empower you to do these things. Is there chaos in your life? You may say, well, I've blown it. I'm X number of years old and I haven't cultivated that habit. Then start now. Start now. It's never too late. Turn over a new leaf. I want to read you a poem. I don't do this very often because I'm definitely not a poet, but as I was preparing this message, I came across this and I really thought it kind of reflects the paradigm shift that needs to take place in our lives as believers sometime. So, because sometimes we lose track. Sometimes we know about God, but we don't know God, and we're really just professing believers and not real believers. But listen to this poem and think about the priority here and the making time for God. This is a poem called I Met the Master Face to Face by Lori Klein, and it says this. I had walked life's way with an easy tread, had followed where comforts and pleasures led, until one day in a quiet place I met the master face to face. With station and rank and wealth for my goal, much thought for my body but none for my soul, I had entered it to win life's mad race when I met the master face to face. I had built my castles and built them high, with their domes they had pierced the sky. I had sworn to run and win with an iron mace when I met the fast master face to face. I met him and knew him and blushed to see that his eyes were full of sorrow and fixed on me. And I faltered and fell at his feet that day while my castles melted and vanished away. My thought is now for the souls of men. I have lost my life to find it again. Ere since the day in a quiet place, I met the master face to face. You want clarity? You want an end to the confusion? Get in a quiet place and meet with your master face to face. Make time for God. It is an antidote, the antidote to chaos. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we live such busy lives and we are pulled in so many directions and we live in a place that can be oh so hectic. 
a place that often requires two incomes, Father, sometimes three. And so God, help us. Help us, Lord, to remember to remember you every day. Help us to remember to rest, to be still and know that you're God. Help us to remember to reflect on your grace and your glory and your power and your provision. And in so doing, Father, help us to retell the story of your salvation and as the opportunity presents itself, our salvation. Help us, Lord, to make time for you in this way, for your glory, for the good of others, and for our own growth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you and thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.